Welcome to this episode of Women to Women podcast series. Our guest today is Christine Sekdalen. She is the Vice President and US Head of Mental Health at Boringer Ingelheim. Before her role at BI, she was Otsuka's VP of Customer Engagement. In addition to her remarkable career, she is the co-founder and CEO of MVP Momentum and Value for People of Color, an organization that provides young people of color with invaluable leadership development, internship and employment opportunities. Hi, Christine. Welcome to Woman to Woman podcast. So excited to have you. Thank you for having me here, Divya. What an honor. How was your childhood? You grew up in Philippines. So how was it growing up in a different country and then moving mm-hmm. across the globe to U.S.? Yeah, no, it, it's been it's been very interesting and I wouldn't trade it for the world. Uh, so I was born in the Philippines and I moved to America when I was about 15 years old. Uh, so essentially, a good portion of my life was uh, in the Philippines. And my parents were both business people. They were both career people. And actually, I was the last of five children. And I was a little bit unexpected. But it actually became a benefit to me because even as a young person, I learned how to be independent. Uh, I learned how to fend for myself. And my sister, who was 12 years older than me, was one that really helped to raise me. Uh, But I remember also that with my parents being late in their careers, they also allowed me to be who I am and uh, they didn't really control every single action. And again, I think that really led to a lot of the leadership qualities that I have today because even back then, I was very much empowered. Of three, as far as I can remember, he would um, greet me to say, how's my little chief executive officer when I would walk in the room? And so that was how I grew up, you know, and I just remember uh, having large family gatherings. Uh, We would go to church together. So really the values that I carry even today around the importance of faith and family and having fun and being forward thinking uh, really came from my parents and came from from my uh, childhood back in the Philippines. Anybody outside of the family that had any influence on you? I would say that a lot of um, my my exposure to organizations that my mom uh, brought me to, like the American Legion, for example. Again, I was very young and she helped me to become the chaplain uh, for that association. I was a junior chaplain for the American Legion. Um, And so for me, it was those kinds of experiences that allowed me to be exposed to other people, to other um, perspectives. You know, the other thing that uh, was very interesting in my childhood was I was actually on television um, and I was part of this program in the Philippines called uh, Newswatch Junior Edition. And I was eight years old and I was there uh, from eight to about 13 years old. And as a young person, I was asked to be a part of this news program for kids. And my first job there was to talk about the news that was just reported by the anchor people. And that was really interesting. And that was very influential to me uh, because it allowed me to, you know, again, think like an adult, even as a young person and to think very maturely about what was going on in the world. And uh, I got promoted to become one of the anchor people as a teenager. And I think that was where I developed my confidence. You know, that's where I developed uh, my love for public speaking uh, and really sharing um, perspectives outside of myself. 
And again, I didn't realize it back then, but I think as I reflect on my childhood and those unique experiences that I had, you know, it really has allowed me to be who I am today. So you were great back then as well. You even got a promotion as a teenager. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I got, you know, I got paid, right? I had a paycheck and I remember my sister uh, driving me to the Sanrio store And uh, that was my collection back then, right? Hello Kitty and Little Twin Stars. You know, so that was what I spent my paycheck on. Again, back then I didn't realize it, but I think it's about enjoying the fruits of your labor. Um, So it's, it's been, you know, it's been an interesting childhood. And when I came here to the U.S., I started out as a college student, a very young college student. I graduated early in high school. Um, And so that was also an interesting transition for me to come here to the U.S. as a young college student. How was that transition? Because it's very different, right? Schooling is different. The systems are different. Culture is so different. How did you adjust? You know, I I honestly don't know how to answer that question because it was just one of those things that you just adjust to, right? And you just deal with it. Um, And I think that, again, the way that my parents and, and the family raised me was to be agile to be nimble, to be flexible, to assimilate quickly. And so that to me was how I adjusted. I I found my unique voice early in the process. You know, yes, I assimilated into the, the American culture, but I also was very purposeful in making sure that I held on to my my culture and my personality, even as a young American here in the US. So you had aspirations of becoming a newscaster. I did. I did. So I, again, coming from that little news broadcast show, I thought that that's what I wanted to do with my life. But my father, who was paying for my college, said, you're never going to get a job doing that. Um, So you're better off taking some sort of computer science or business major. And so I ended up taking a combination of both. It was called um, Management Information Systems or MIS for short. And so true enough, I ended up getting a job right away, right out of college. Um, and uh, I didn't really like it very much. I was in the computer science and doing, you know, some programming. I was doing database management and I didn't really like it so much. Um, but my father was right. I did end up getting a job right away. But I also tried to pursue the the newscasting aspect of it. And so I joined a Filipino news uh, network. Um, And it was very young and small at that time. And it didn't really work out for me either, right? Because the news channel closed down, it shut down, it didn't have too many uh, subscribers. And so it was kind of interesting that I just tried different things, you know, even early in my life. And I think that gives me or gave me, I should say, uh, an avenue to explore different parts of myself and different parts of what I would enjoy and what I wouldn't enjoy. So how did you end up in healthcare, like on the pharma side? Yeah, so as an MIS graduate, and I did some programming, like I said, I ended up getting a a consultant job at Pfizer. I wasn't a full-time employee, but they brought me in into their market research department to do SaaS programming. And uh, so that's how I ended up in healthcare. It was honestly by accident. I didn't know that I would love healthcare Um, and really working with um, medicine, innovation, and patients. But I ended up at Pfizer doing um, some SaaS programming, prep programming in the market research department. And then from there, I ended up 
going and joining Novartis at that time it was Sandoz and my boss from Pfizer went over to Novartis and she brought me over there and I really started my career in market research and in market sciences and I really enjoyed it tremendously and I ended up you know taking on different commercial roles from there and grew in my career and just grew in my passion in healthcare and being more patient centric uh, and really looking at healthcare as helping people with serious uh, conditions and, and being able to make a difference that way. If you want somebody else who's looking for career options in the same space, what would you say looking back would be a maybe a little bit simpler path? Like, are there certain kinds of jobs or roles they should be seeking out? I actually think that where I started in market research and market sciences was a good way to start because it allowed for me and others who are looking to be more strategic in the way they approach uh, the business. Um, and it's understanding where market research insights come from and being customer centric. I think it was very important, a lesson for me to learn early in my career. But I would also say if I look back, I probably would have also gone into sales or some sort of a sales uh, role or sales leadership role early in my career or earlier, I should say, in my career, because I think that would have also helped to strengthen my flexibility and agility and also people influence skills early in my career. So I think that's always a good option for people who want to get into healthcare. But I would also say that um, ensuring that you are connected to, you know, to people and mentors who are in the field is always helpful, right? And and having a science background is always also very helpful. So you mentioned a keyword there, being connected with people, having mentors. So two keywords, actually. <laughs> so first question would be networking is such a crucial, important part. What were some of the things that worked for you? How did you approach networking? Well, first of all, I didn't think that mentors and networking were important in the beginning, right? So for uh, for some of the young folks uh, early in their career, I would really highly recommend that you build a network, but also try to find uh, really trusted mentors early in your career. What I would say is that it's it's important for uh, for people to find uh, uh, other mentors who are like minded but also offer diversity of your of perspective. I think it's important to uh, be purposeful in networking and networking is not a bad thing. You know, some people think that it's bad because it's, ju it's just about uh, finding others who can help you. Uh, but really it, it should also be the reverse. You can also help others that you're networking with, right? And find those common ground uh, platforms that allow for you and your mentors and your network uh, to be able to help each other right? And find ways to have engaging conversations. So it's not just a one way. And I would say that putting things on your calendar and being purposeful about it and making sure that you list the names of people that you want to network with uh, is, is super critical because if you just plan for it and not actually do it, it's not going to help you, right? So calendarizing, maybe it's the quarterly touch point with certain people. The other thing that has helped uh, and again, I didn't learn this until much later, I actually learned it from my son. Uh, I, I write things down about people, you know, personal things about people that I meet so that when I meet with them the following time, I can ask about their daughter or ask about somebody's graduation, something personal, because it means that you care and that you are purposeful about getting to know them as individuals and not just uh, seeking their help. 
right? You, you're also wanting to be connected with them at, at the very human level. Other question was more related to mentors. So you mentioned mentors. Did you ever seek mentors? I think early in my life, and I mentioned my parents and my sister already, they were always my mentors, right? Without me even realizing it, you know, they spoke truth into me. They spoke confidence. They challenged me in certain ways. They were my biggest cheerleaders and champions, especially my dad, right? He was very vocal about, about all of that. And I think that's where I learned that that's important in life. You know, you know that you have people like that who are advocates, who are champions, who would speak truth. And so the way that I sought that out early in my career is I really observed people. I observed leaders and leaders that I wanted to emulate and leaders who were not just great at their job, but leaders who were kind to people and who had great character. And so that was important to me. So that's how I sought them out. And uh, again, I would find something in common, right? Maybe it was talking about school or children or whatever it was that was common ground for us. Uh, That's how I would seek them out. And I would just be very transparent about what I needed from them, right? I would be very transparent about what I was attracted to in terms of their leadership style and their leadership skills and the experiences that experiences that they've had in life. And I would just say, you know, this is something that I'm very interested in and I would love your help so that I can also become like you. And so that's how I sought uh, mentors in my life. And I, you know, I didn't seek a whole lot of them. Um, I wanted to make sure that it was a small circle of people. And even to this day, it's a small circle of people because it's hard to find people that you truly trust, right? And it's hard to find people who you could truly become yourself with. And I think even now, you know, my parents are gone. My sister is still around. She's still a, a very great mentor to me. But quite frankly, my husband is a great mentor to me as well, right? Because again, you find very few people who will tell you like how it is. You know, it's, it, you know, you don't want to be told things that you want to hear, right? You want to make sure that there are people who truly challenge you and truly hold you accountable. That's what a true mentor is. That is so true. Having those people in your life just makes it so much easier. Along the way, have there been certain values that you've really held close that have really helped you in personal life and your career? So I've always uh, held to my my core values, which is faith you know, family, fun, and quite frankly, uh, being forward thinking. To me, as I break that down, right, faith to me is very important because I just grew up uh, with that, right? My my parents taught me to make sure that I was centered in that, right? Because everything else can be taken away from you. But if you have faith, if you have deep faith, you know, that uh, will ground you in your decision making, that'll ground you in um, everything in life. Family is always very important to me. Growing up, like I said, I was very close to my family. And even now as a a married person with two adult children, daughter-in-law, you know, my husband and I are always prioritizing our family. And whenever we make decisions, we always think what is best for the family, right? What is best for all of us combined as a unit? Uh, And especially when they were young, you know, I would make sure that I chose uh, careers that would not allow me to forget what was important. And I would say fun is also a core value because if you're not having fun in life, then it's not worth living in my opinion. I also believe that fun um, offers you perspective and it allows you to take your responsibilities 
uh, as a career person, as a family person, seriously, but you don't have to take yourself seriously. And I think fun allows you to be authentic and allows for you as a leader or for me as a leader to just show up the way I am, right? And and make sure that I don't lose sight of um, having fun even with a team, right? Yes, we have to take our jobs seriously. We have to take our responsibilities seriously, but life should be fun. And forward thinking is about innovation, right? And And for me, if I'm not thinking in a forward way, and if I'm not driving innovation, um, I become stagnant and I become stale as a, as a human being, as a leader. And so those are the values that I hold uh, true and, and dear to me. So you mentioned you had two adult kids. First of all, congratulations on Caitlin's engagement. Awesome news. Thank you. Thank you. I will have a son-in-law uh, very soon next year. <laughs> so now looking back, like I'm sure this looks like way back when, but when the kids were younger. A lot of our listeners, you know, in our forums ask us, you know, how do you really have that perfect balance? There is no perfect balance. We all know that. But how did you manage a semblance of balance when your kids were growing up, they were much younger and your career was taking off? What were some of the trade-offs? What were some of the techniques that helped you manage that? Well, like you said, there is never a perfect balance, right? For me, it was always about harmonizing your work life and your family life. And I think it was very important for me and my husband to always talk about and agree upfront how were we going to share responsibilities, right? So some of the young women that, uh, and I was the same way, I think, you know, when I was younger, where I thought I could do everything, right? But I didn't have to, right? It, a lot of it is has to be shared responsibility with um, with my husband, Ron. But I was also, quite frankly, very fortunate that at that time, my parents were still alive. And so I leverage them a lot, right? They were part of my village in raising my kids. And I made sure that I brought them in and I was um, engaging them as well and saying when I needed them and when I didn't, you know, so establishing those kinds of relationships and those kinds of boundaries. And I think for us, especially for me as a, as a career person, as a young mom, I remember making career choices that, again, allowed me to ensure that I prioritized my family, right? At a very young age, I knew that even as a career woman, I wasn't going to prioritize my career. I always was going to prioritize my family. But at the same time, my career was important to me. I wanted to grow and I wanted to get promoted, right? And I wanted to to get up there. Um, And so I chose careers that allowed me to not travel so much, right? When they were younger. And I chose um, job opportunities that would allow me to have some sort of semblance in my, you know, in my hours. But at the same time, I think what was it's what's very, very important as a career person is you have to deliver results. When you deliver results, then you have the credibility to say, this thing doesn't work for me, but this will, right? You are able to quote unquote demand your your hours or demand, yes, you are going to deliver results and yes, you are going to be excellent at driving the business, but there are times when you need to take a day off and uh, be at your your daughter's or your son's um, field trip, right? Or be a volunteer at the library, you know? So those are the things that I did, you know, to make me feel good about myself, that I'm able to do both, but at the same time, making sure that I don't sacrifice uh, the results that I needed to deliver. And I was just transparent about that. And, and we shouldn't uh, be afraid to be transparent 
And we shouldn't make excuses for what's important to us. And remember, I said, faith, family, friends, you know, fun and forward thinking, right? At that time, I had an opportunity to go to another country to go to attend an international meeting. And I felt so privileged to have been chosen to um, go to that meeting, which then meant that I was going to miss my daughter's uh, kindergarten graduation. And I regret that to this day because. I could have missed that meeting or the compromise would have been, I go to the meeting, but I leave early. Right. And so, and I've done that after that, that mistake, I've done that, you know, moving forward where I can still go to a meeting or I can still attend, you know, an important session, but at the same time, I don't have to be there the entire time if I have a family commitment. And so that's the piece that I think it defined for me what I didn't want to do again, right? I wasn't going to miss important milestones anymore. And for me, you always have a choice in that. And even if you don't feel like you have a choice, you actually do. And people will understand, especially again, if you're transparent about those choices that you make. Do you ever face any typical perceptions that usually surround women? And how did you deal with those? Oh my goodness, that's a very rich question, right? Because there's so many misperceptions about women. Um, and, and I think part of it is not showing emotion, right? That's a misperception of, as a woman, don't ever show your emotion or don't ever show your vulnerability don't let people see you cry, right? These are the things that uh, you hear often. And honestly, Divya, I, I don't know if I ever, ever subscribe to that. You know, I, I heard it, right? But I don't think I ever subscribe to it. I think there's also, I've, I've actually literally had a coach who said to me, when you present, spread your legs apart and wear big shoulder pads, you know, with your blazer so that you stand like a man, and I thought, wow, you know, that's that's pretty bold. Um, and I, I didn't follow that number one. <laughs> um, but I also never subscribed to these misperceptions or, you know, misnomers about how we are supposed to be as women leaders. I think that as women leaders, we have to not be afraid to show vulnerability. We have to be authentic to who we are. And we have to embrace and own our unique ways of leadership styles, because that's what makes us impactful. And that's what makes us different. And we don't have to be like men when we lead. We're women for a reason. So own it. And if you had some advice for our listeners on things as women that we should be working on qualities, mindset that you feel will take us much farther in our careers and lives, what would those be? I think the mindset of, you know, being able to make tough decisions and not having to make excuses for them. I think that's a really, you know, that's a really important mindset. I think another mindset as a leader is when something isn't going to plan or going according to plan, uh, that the first step is to look, you know, into the mirror and say, what is it that I can do as a leader? I also think that in business, you know, it, things can be very ruthless and things can be very cruel you also started an organization that you're very passionate about. What is that organization quickly for our listeners and why is it so important to you? Well, thank you for asking, Divya. So the uh, nonprofit organization that I founded a few years ago is called Momentum and Value for People of Color or MVP for short. And uh, this is really aimed to help young people of color 
to prepare for their careers, to perform, to progress, to prosper, and ultimately to pay it forward. And the whole notion is to help these young people of color to build networks, uh, to build mentors, and also find internships, right? So these are practical types of engagements that we build for them. And it's a community where we help them to establish their networks to find mentors that will help them in their careers, find them champions to help them uh, get a job and get in front of people that normally wouldn't look at them to hire them. And these are also, you know, we have workshops, we have programming that helps with negotiation skills, with communication skills. So things that a young person will need to make sure that they thrive in their career. And we also work with organizations uh, such as Jazz Pharmaceuticals and others to make sure that we help them to build a diverse and equitable pipeline of talent. And I think that's so critical. Um, And that's the other piece that I would say to our listeners is as women leaders, you know, we have to drive that diversity and equity and inclusion in our organizations. Um, And MVP, this organization is aimed to help organizations and leaders do that. Exactly. Great cause, Christine. And congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. We have a lot of great support and uh, we're looking for more. So hopefully our listeners will uh, take a look at us and, you know, and uh, join our, I call it MVP movement. On a personal note, is there something that not a lot of people know about you? You're asking these tough questions, Divya. (laughs) So the one thing that fuels my day-to-day joy is dancing. I love to dance. And uh, it's just one of those things that allows me to express who I am and express some energy and expend some energy. And so every time I hear music, which is almost every day, I just burst into dancing, you know, so uh, sometimes, um, in fact, I did it this morning, I was just dancing in my kitchen as I'm, you know, making breakfast. So that's, I love, I love that, you know, for me, that's part of the fun side of me too. And I love to teach people how to dance as well and just get them to dance on the dance floor with me at parties. Oh my God, sign me up next time. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> I'm going to find <laughs> you on the dance floor and come dance with you because my skills need some work. But <laughs> that's a different discussion. Thank you so much, Christine, for your time. Any closing comments for our listeners? This has been like a great conversation. I can go on and on. Yeah, I guess, you know, one of the things that I would just leave our listeners to think about is uh, the, the area of leadership. Right. And I and I really want to encourage people to think about leadership as not having power or control or status in life or in your career. But it is about serving others. You know, it is about um, being uncomfortable and sometimes being inconvenienced uh, because you are serving others. And what I would say is, at least in my career, you know, I have found early on and again, thank you to my parents who instilled this in me. It's that you need to be generous with your time, that you need to be selfless in the way that you serve others, because that's how attractive uh, leadership is built. With that comes, you know, a lot of responsibility when you're a leader. You know, again, it's not about a title. It's not about a level. It really is about how to help others. And hopefully, you know, today, you know, and what we talked about, it'll help others as well. Thank you so much. Thank you.